I sort of want to tag on a little bit with what um, has been said to the church recently. We've been addressing the whole thing of rejection. We've been addressing the whole thing as belonging, being accepted. And um, Pastor Julie did another fantastic message this morning along those lines. I think this is a word in season. This is a logos word. Can you say logos? Logos is a Greek word. It means now. It, it's the now word. Well, it's, And the other word is rima, which means it's the word for right now. This is the word in season for us because I really believe that God just wants to address um, our lives and in, in helping us to become more like sons and daughters of the house. More like sons and daughters, not participants. Sons and daughters who belong. When they walk into this place, this is my home. Obviously, you don't help yourself to the fridge, but <laughs> but it's almost as if it's a whole different mindset. It's no longer you come to church and gimme, 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 my name's Jimmy, I'll take all you can give me. It's more, what can I give? What can I do for this? This is my home. What can I do? It's a completely different mindset. And this is, I think, something that God is saying to the churches. You know, in the book of Revelation, it says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I believe this is something that God is saying to us collectively. Okay. My message was actually going to be a communion message. <laughs> but kind of, it's been stretched out just a tad. <laughs> but at the end of my message, we're going to be sharing communion together. And I think this is a very, very special moment. And for a lot of us, in fact, for a lot of Christians, communion is kind of like, you know, just that thing you do. No, oh, yes, communion. No, oh, you know, take the bread, take the wine. You know, that's nice. But um, I really want to talk to you more in depth about that whole thing. Um, you know, we remember, we have remembrance days throughout the year. On the 11th of the 11th, we celebrate Remembrance Day. And we remember, more so for those in Europe, but that, we, we celebrate that for the end of World War I. We, have, we celebrate Anzac Day. We remember that because of the sacrifice of what our troops paid for our freedom. The freedom that we celebrate now. Someone had to pay for it. And someone paid for it in their blood. But we celebrate that on Anzac Day. We blow the trumpet and uh, we say those words, lest we forget. We see crosses on the sides of roads and flowers on the sides of roads too, as a memorial for people who lost their lives there. We see other ways how people remember. You know, there's songs being sung in memory of people who have died. There's been movies that have been made in memory of certain people. At the beginning of the movie, you see in memory of so-and-so. We have... Remembrance services, we have funerals, we have uh, memorials where people let off a whole bunch of balloons into the sky. Where people, they release a whole bunch of doves into the sky. 
All this is playing a part. We have football teams, they run out onto the field and they're wearing black armbands to remember someone that, that was a part of their club who had recently passed away. There's all these different things that we do. We have statues in honour of, of people who passed away, significant people to help us to remember, to remember, to remember. Jesus said this, he said, when he passed out the bread and the wine, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Now, this is significant because we have all these different ways in our society that we remember songs, movies, statues, flowers on the side of the road and the ways that we remember. But Jesus, when it came to Jesus in asking us to remember what he did, he didn't give us any of those things. He didn't set up a monument and, uh, and for us to make pilgrimage to go there and to remember him by that monument. He didn't tell us to sing a certain song. He didn't tell us to wear certain clothes or to eat it. He didn't give us these different things, but he did give us this one thing. And do you know what he did? He gave us a meal. He gave us a meal. What is the significance of that? This significance goes right back to Exodus chapter 12. Because the communion that you partake of and that Jesus shared with his disciples on the night before he died was taken from the Passover meal. What is the difference? Well, a Passover meal traditionally was observed with a lamb, a one-year-old lamb that was killed and and its blood originally was applied to the doorposts. But that lamb was eaten along with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. Jesus took, oh, and, and not to forget the wine, but Jesus took two of those elements. We no longer celebrate, we don't celebrate communion with a lamb. Nor do we with bitter herbs. One of those bitter herbs is horseradish. Praise God we don't celebrate with that. But we celebrate with bread and with wine. Do you know that when Melchizedek met up with Abraham, they had a meal together made up of bread and wine. Do you know the unleavened bread that they use is called matzah lechem in Hebrew and it's complete, no yeast in it whatsoever. The bread represents sinless life or a life that is sinless. When Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you, it's symbolizing his sinless life that was broken. Now, I shared in communion last Sunday um, about the fact that Jesus, when he died, he didn't die specifically of asphyxiation or suffocation, but he died of a broken heart. When Jesus speared him and pulled the spear out, out came a flow of blood and water. Do you know that medical experts have done tests and worked out that the death that, that Jesus died from was a result of an overflow of serum in the, in the um, 
in the pericardio chamber, pericardio chamber, which caused his heart to be ruptured. And Jesus didn't die of suffocation or from the overwhelming of the pain, but he died of a broken heart. That's really important to remember. He was broken. Now, in, under the Passover, God said none of the bones of the lamb were to be broken. And as we see with Jesus, not one of his bones were broken. Now, why does it say, why does Jesus say, take my body which is broken for you? It was broken because of what he went through. It was broken because he was sinless. And they broke him. And not only that, but they broke his heart. His, his heart was broken for us. The wine. The wine symbolized his blood. Did you know that the Bible actually says where your, within your body, where your life actually, actually resides? It's not in your brain. It's not in your heart. In Leviticus, God says that the life of a creature is in the blood. Your life is in your blood. So when Jesus took the cup and he said, take this cup. He said, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's breath, death until he comes. But the cup represents his life that was poured out for you. It was poured out for you. In Exodus 12, 26 and 27, I want you to turn in your Bibles there. It says, And when your children ask you, what did this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. So here's the most incredible thing about why God gives us a meal. In the, book of, in the book of Exodus, and in fact, if you read in verse 2, it says, This month is to be the first month in the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family. Everyone say family. family. One for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, then they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people that are there. Do you know one of the things that really strikes me about this, this feast, well, not really a feast, this observance, is the fact that God commands us to observe it, or commanded the Israelites to observe it in a family. Do you know, God never commanded the Israelites to observe Passover um, in a worship service led by the Levite priests. He never asked them to do that. He didn't ask them to, uh, to celebrate it as a community. He didn't ask them to celebrate it within their tribes. He, so, he said, no, this must be done within your family. It is a family thing. 
This is the thing that really blows me away. Now, 1,400 years later, sorry, 1,600 years later, Jesus does the same thing with his disciples. In Exodus 12, 26, 27, he says, When your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. And he gives the reason. And that is still happening to this day. I'm super excited that next year, in late March, God willing, both Tammy and I will be in Israel again. And we're super excited about that. But uh, I was in my shower about two months ago. I do all my thinking in the shower. Who's with me? I love the shower for thinking. And I'm thinking, I was thinking about the time I had in Israel. I said, God, I want to go back. I want to go back. Would you let me go back? And he said this to me. He said, Easter. And I'm thinking to myself, why didn't you just say Passover? (laughs) But he said, Easter. And um, I thought, oh, okay. So I'll just begin to start thinking about that. It wasn't that long after that. In fact, I think it was three weeks later, I got an email from Katrina. And the email said, uh, Pastor Julie wanted me to pass this on to you. Um, it's, a, it's a trip. It's a, it's a tour to Israel. I just wondered if you were interested. I thought, hmm, let me have a look at the date. And I looked at the date, and sure enough, it's over, well, it falls just, for, just short before Passover. But one of the best things I did last year when I went out to Israel last year was the fact that I stayed an extra two weeks. And I did two weeks of touring, and the other two weeks I did my own thing, which was, if you're ever going to do that, I recommend it. And so that would be the same strategy that I'll be doing this, this time, because one of the, my... Uh, things I'd love to do is to be in Israel when they celebrate the feasts or the Moedim. It's one of the most amazing things. Last year in Israel, I was in, I was there during Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, and that was an amazing time. They celebrated in these big booths. They call them sukkahs, and they're made of just um, just uh, panelled wood, and they've got like palm branches over that that make up the roof. And they, they make the sukkahs exactly how God told them to make it in the book of Leviticus. It's amazing when you read the, look, the book of Leviticus. And then when I was there, I'm seeing these sukkahs built together exactly the same way that God commanded them to build. It's an it's incredible thing when you go there, you see the Bible come to life. Now, the, when, so hopefully, God willing... By faith, we'll be there for Passover next year. Bring it on. Now, so God told the Israelites, whenever your children asks you, what does this mean? Tell them this. Jesus does the same thing with his disciples. He explains to them, this is what it is for. Now, here's the amazing thing about this. Whether you realize it or not, you are in a family right now. If you look around about you, you're part of God's family. 
Some of you might not realize that yet, and I pray that tonight you will feel the longing and you will feel the leading of the Holy Spirit leading you into a relationship with Him and becoming part of God's family. What a family. What a family. Some of the fondest memories I have growing up in my family was around the table at tea time. Great memories. You know, there's memories of when my dad used to share Bible stories. And as kids, we used to be listening to what he used to say. I've got to say this. I owe my, my walk with God growing up to those times around the table listening to dad talking about the Bible stories. That was such a special time for me in my life. Also, family time around the table. You know, we got, a, got away with a lot of stuff. We used to switch the salt with the sugar. We used to switch the chocolate syrup with the barbecue sauce. We used to switch the sweet chili sauce for the Tabasco sauce. We got away with a lot. But there's something about family time. I remember posting on Facebook um, a couple of weeks ago and I said, most, what did I say? I said, most of the problems or moments of anxiety can be cleared up by a warm meal with family and an early night. And throughout my life, that is so true. So you can be going through such an emotional moment and things, the, the sky is falling down. But, you know, a warm meal with family, a warm meal with family does the most incredible thing on the inside. Why is a meal with family so, I don't know, why is it so precious? Why is it so special? Do you know that medical experts are able to confirm that there are powerful chemical changes that take place when we eat food and engage with people? They say that when you eat food when engaging with people, endorphins are released in the brain which cause people to relax and become more open and trusting. Isn't that interesting? There's a hint to all the single guys planning on taking out a girl to dinner. Not too subtle hint. You know, they say that children and families that do not this is amazing. They say that fa- children and families that do not share a daily meal together, they lack in cohesion within the family and development in relational and conversational skills which they can carry into adult life. I think that's amazing. You know, in, with me, with my business, occasionally I like to take my clients out and shout them lunch. It does wonders for me winning contracts. It's fantastic. I remember, for me, personally, with mealtime, one of the things that really I remember the most was when I was in Israel and I, I stayed with my Hebrew teacher called Nathaniel. And um, he lives in one of the most orthodox, pious suburbs in all of Israel. It's called B'nai Brak. B'nai Brak is where the Herodim live. The Herodim with the black hats and the curls down the sides and the black 
codes. This is where these guys, will, this is the heartland of the Herodim. And um, I didn't realize that. When I said to the bus driver, take me to the B'nai Brack. And there I am with my grey uh, fatigue shorts I bought from JJ's and my fluoro orange Elwood shirt and my white elements hat. The guy looked at me and he said, you want to go to B'nai Brack? <laughs> okay. So I went to B'nai Brack. I got off and oh my, did I stand out. I was walking down the street just feeling just a little tad, um, yeah, yeah. There would be Jewish families walking down and they're kind of doing this. And I'm thinking, I just want to get into Nathaniel's house and just get out of here. But, it, but you know what? One of the things that really touched me about staying with Nathaniel was the hospitality and the, the love that, and the food. The food was fantastic. But I began to get insights, you know, because when I'm reading the Bible, when I'm reading the, the, um, the books of the law, so Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, I'm seeing all this in real life. The way that Nathaniel and his wife treated me was exactly in accordance with the law of Moses. It was amazing. There were so many things that just blew me away. The fact when I woke up in the morning and their son, Nadav, when he saw his dad, he would say, Abba, Abba, Abba. <laughs> it really does something to you when you see that playing out in real life. And I, around mealtime, and when he gave thanks for the food and broke the bread, it was amazing. And then when I said to Daniel, I said, thank you so much for having me in your home. And he said, Daniel, he said, he said, our father Abraham, he said in his tent he would have four openings on, on the north, the east, the south and the west to invite visitors and to be hospitable to them. I thought, oh. <laughs> it was really a special moment. And uh, if you ever get the opportunity to have mealtime with the Jewish family, do it. It's amazing. It really is. So we see Jesus, and this is the thing that blows me away, because Passover is such a family thing, and you would think that Jesus and his disciples, they would be spending Passover with their families, but not so in this case. Not so in this case. This was a special meal. This was a special meal. This was the meal. He knew what was going to happen. Not soon long after that. But it was with his closest. It was with who Jesus considered to be his family. I think that's amazing. And tonight when we break the bread, in fact, if you could, if the ushers could prepare communion now, that would be wonderful. And if I could have the musicians to come forward, that would be fantastic. This is a meal to be observed by the family of God. You are a part of that family and this is our meal that we share, that we, re that we remember him by. This is such a holy moment and I don't want you to lose sight of that. I want you to really understand what he did for you. 
And that when you take the bread and when you take the wine, you understand the high price. Did you know that salvation is free, but it cost God his only son? Salvation is free, but it costs Jesus his life. Please understand the gravity of that. You know, some of you might be, have, be finding it a little bit difficult because you, you weren't exactly brought up in a happy family environment. Some of you might have been even rejected by your father and your mother. Do you know what David says in Psalm 27.10? He says this. He says, Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Psalm 68, 5 to 6 says this, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God and his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. Wow. You might be feeling lonely tonight, but God wants to set you in a family. 2 Corinthians 6, 18. This is God says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Praise God. Have we got our elements? Have we got our bread and the wines coming around? Fantastic. Fantastic. No, it was a fascinating thing for me. I was talking with my friend, Paul Cohen, who's a brilliant Bible teacher himself. Um, he's, a, he's actually a Messianic Jew. And he was sharing with me that Rabbis, there are certain rabbis that they believe that that when Messiah comes, that he will bring them a meal. I think that's amazing. They say that when Messiah comes, he will bring a meal. And Jesus comes and he brings a meal. Yet they can't see it. That blows me away. Bless you, Lord. The final reason why I believe that we have a that we remember with a meal is that the fellowship. Remember what Jesus said. He said, "Whenever two or three gather together in my name." There I am in the midst of you. He doesn't ask us to remember him by a monument. He doesn't ask us to remember him by singing a song. He doesn't ask us to remember him by anything else. But this meal, and it's with this meal, it's not only special to us, but you know what? It's so special to Jesus. Because he 
can celebrate it with us. He is in our midst. He is in our midst. If you've got your cup and your bread, I just want you to close your eyes. You're in the upper room in Jerusalem in 33 AD. There are disciples around you and you look up and you see Jesus and he's looking at you. He has a warm smile. has eyes full of love and he says come Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 here I am I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and eat with him and he with me. I believe that is an invitation for some people here tonight. And you've been running from God. And tonight, you need to open the door to Jesus. You know exactly who you are because God is speaking to you right now. Time has come to do business with God. Don't run any longer. Open your heart. He wants to fellowship with you. Let's take the bread. Let's take the wine. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Give you praise, worship the Lord. Hallelujah. There are people joining the family of God tonight. If you open that door to Jesus tonight, while everyone's eyes are closed I just want you to raise your hand and say yeah Jesus come into my life I've done enough running come into my life Lord be one with me I believe there is one person here in particular needs to make the decision. I see one hand over here. Fantastic. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Tonight is the night you need to do business with God. The Bible says now is the day of God's favor. Now is the time of salvation. Don't put it off any longer. Don't put off an incredible relationship with Jesus any longer. 
Don't put him on hold anymore. The time has come. Get into a relationship with him. Open that door so he can come in and eat with you and you with him. Is there anyone else? Your heart may be pounding, but this is a decision that you have to make. Anyone else? Okay. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in some people's hearts here tonight. There's some people, and you may be still struggling with rejection. You may be struggling with acceptance. You may be struggling with um, certain areas of the Christian life. And here's another thing. There may be people in your life who you are struggling with to forgive. And that will be a hold over you until you deal with it. So we're going to open up the altar here tonight. And we're going to give you the opportunity for you to come forward and to receive ministry. You might be really seeking God and, and, and looking to God for answers. You might be in a situation where you really need wisdom. But I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to minister you to you tonight. He wants to speak to you tonight. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, He can transform you. What you think you can do in five weeks or five months, God can do in five minutes. The supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. So if you were to come forward for prayer, come forward.